This interview was a previous LinkedIn and YouTube live stream on April 28th. Welcome back into the Level Up Experience. This is episode number 32 with Ben Pfefferman, CEO of Amuka Esports, back for round two. Amuka has had a busy end to Q1 and through quarter two. We discuss the acquisition of Waves Gaming, Easy Mode, and Incendium Gaming. We also discuss the recent crowdfunding campaign launch on FrontFunder and how Amuka has pivoted during COVID. It's also a unique episode because we originally recorded a live stream on LinkedIn and YouTube, and we screen shared Ben's gameplay on Warzone. So if you miss a video, make sure to check out the link in the description to Level Up Experience YouTube channel. Before we get started, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're notified when episodes are released. I had a great time interviewing Ben. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, Ben, we are live Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. What's going on? Hey, how are you doing this morning? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Enjoying, been enjoying nice weather here in Kentucky. So it's been really beautiful for us. That's the key to isolation is if you have nice weather, it's no problem. Like, but when you're stuck inside, if it's rainy and cold, it's, it's tough. Right. Um, so we've been pretty lucky, pretty fortunate last couple days. All right, guys, thanks for jumping in. Jump into chat. Let us know that you can hear us, see us, all that good stuff. Gives us, give us a thumbs up. We're across all platforms. As always, jump in, ask questions. Uh, we always want to make this um, quasi Q and A. But just real quick, we've got Ben Pfefferman, CEO at Amuka Esports. Uh, I want to let him explain what is behind us. What are, what are we uh, talking over uh, for for a second? And then uh, maybe for those that may not know who you are. Uh, give a quick one minute about yourself. Yeah, sure. So we are watching, this is Warzone, Call of Duty's Modern Warfare's Battle Royale game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. 150 people jump out of an airplane and uh, we're playing, a, I think we're playing a quad game. So you can do twos, threes, or fours. Uh, this is part of something called Scope for Hope where, um, you know, a lot's going on. A lot of people need some help. This is a great scene. Uh, Josh Marcus is going to get nailed really quickly. <laughs> he's a, he's our lawyer. He's a lawyer. <laughs> That's awesome. Get the lawyers. He's, right? lawyer. he's going to get sniped in two seconds. <laughs> he's uh, okay. He's playing aggressive. Um, so yeah, you know, we want to. We love playing games, so we just wanted to get out there um, and you know have fun, engage our community, and raise money for some different charities. Very quick, you talk a little bit more about um, about Scope for Hope and. Um, y'all have done what we've done two two streams already and look and doing do, do others as well next couple weeks. Yeah, uh, the first one we had our Windsor team. Um, they did a, a charity stream for the local food bank um, there in Windsor. Uh, we raised money this time for an international organization called Direct Relief, uh, which is providing a lot of humanitarian um, and disaster relief for a lot of countries, especially that are not equipped to deal with COVID. Uh, and then we're looking for new partners. You know, we want to raise for. Uh, there he goes. He got nailed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring him back to, to back to life in a second. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're looking for great partners to great charities to work with and um, great teams. So I think our next format, we want to have a bunch of teams competing. We'll probably have more of a leaderboard, make it a bit more competitive, uh, and everyone will you know raise money for a great cause. Uh, very cool. So a couple shout outs. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for jumping in, guys. Um, let me get a little feedback there off something. Um, all right, so yeah, thanks for jumping in. Uh, real quick, so real quick, I'm gonna grab a couple of names here. Jerry, what's going on from uh, Helsinki, Finland? Ryan, what's going on, man? 
Uh, Tiago's from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Amandine, how's it going? How are you? And from London. And Aaron, thanks for the audio check. Appreciate it, man. Aaron Meckler, shout out. <clears throat> uh, so I guess let's let's start here. Uh, obviously, so the last time you guys you were on the show, it was late January. Um, obviously, a, you know a lot has changed since then. Um, not just from from a company level, but just from um, just what's happened with COVID nineteen. I guess talk a little bit about um, uh, you guys in the last couple of months, the, the transition from I guess a company standpoint and um, kind of how, how you are viewing the markets over the last uh, couple of months. Yeah, you know, COVID-19 really hit our particular vertical the hardest, um, whether it's, you know, the venue space and live event space is, you know, directly impacted by it. So you kind of have two cases, you know, two different verticals. You have the game publishers that, for the most part, have done very well uh, during this time. People are at home, they're gaming more, um, you know, they're spending more. So the game publishers, you know, they're very happy. Uh, the streaming platforms also record record viewership across Twitch. I don't really check into Mixer, but YouTube also has had a lot of success. Facebook Gaming launched their new app. So streaming platforms also are going to be great. Um, but yeah, for sure, for venues and live, live tournaments, um, we have to adapt. Uh, we have to pivot, move online. Um, so what we, what we decided to do was two things. We still wanted to engage our community because at the end of the day, that's what we're all about. We're about building great gaming communities. But, you know, when people say, oh, you can just move all your tournaments online, we got to remember, you know, we're in Toronto. Uh, we're the largest gaming venue in Toronto, even in Canada. So people are, we're the name, we're the place to go. But as soon as we move online, the economics of running tournaments don't really work because we're competing with hundreds of organizations, many of whom have no regard for profitability and fundamental economics. So it doesn't make sense just to spend money on cash prizes for tournaments just for the sake of doing it. So um, we're using GG at home um, so people can play and win money within you know a framework of the community. Um, and then we also push something that was kind of natural as rentals. So you can't come in, we ship or deliver a whole gaming system to you. How, is it, how has this changed kind of the, the long-term trajectory or perspective of doing online tournaments versus versus the venue? Um, because obviously that has changed since quarter, you know, beginning of Q1. Uh, I guess talk about that a little bit, I guess on the longer term. Yeah, I really, I thought about it a lot. You know, is this gonna fundamentally um, sort of shake people up? Are people gonna be nervous to go to large events? Um, I think overall, um, it will take some time before we get the mega 100, 200, 300 person events. I just think whether it's just because of um, what's allowed in each province or each region in terms of maximum capacity or just people's comfort level, I don't think we're going to just be like, oh, we're open. Now we're going to pack the place like sardines. I think it's going to be gradual. We're going to have you know weeklies and build up monthlies and bigger tournaments. Um, but luckily, I do think younger people for better or for worse, um, are not seemingly are not as concerned uh, with it um, as you know maybe if we were um, a cinema or something that has a lot, lot much older audience. So I do think probably by June, July, we're going to be pretty much back to business. Now you talk about online tournaments. Uh, what what I'm, I'm intimately involved with um, this with my brother in Smash Melee. Uh, <laughs> I think he's playing like five tournaments a week, maybe more sometimes. 
uh, for NetPlay tournaments. So those that don't know, NetPlay is basically just the online uh, platform to play Smash Melee. And uh, he's been just constantly playing these these regional tournaments. Uh, and they had they had a massive tournament um, uh, last weekend. So just from the, the Smash perspective, obviously a lot is obviously they've moved online, right? Um, so it's really interesting to see like the players that 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 are now. I mean, it's changed up everything for them, and they're having to step out and play. Like for, for the Smash Melee space, like net play is it wasn't the best. Um, you know, with, you're dealing with lag, like there. Um, and if you don't have region lock, yeah. if you're playing with a bunch, you know, the really high ping and things like that. Um, so, I, I guess how, how do all that? How does all this play into um, you know tournaments you guys are running and things like that? Um, what, what have you all ran into being? Because um, I know you brought on. Uh, you guys have acquired Ascendium Gaming. Uh, that was in uh, March 23rd, getting involved, more involved in the FGC space. So how does it all tie into you, with you guys? Yeah, sure. So firstly, I'm in the middle of watching the Smash Brothers. So I have a totally newfound appreciation for the Melee scene, especially, uh, you know, the early pioneers. Have you seen the movie? or Yeah, the, doc the, the documentary. documentary? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so wow. So, so interesting, you know, how that community built out. Um, I think, you know, I think tournaments... I've gotten a lot more creative and I think that's that's what's really cool to see is that the formats have changed you know like I'll, I'll give an example I love the ESPN uh, Invitational where um, they for Valorant where they had you know a team from Fortnite from PUBG from League from Apex and a dev team all competing together so I think now that everything's sort of gone online. I think there's a lot more creativity. Maybe the LAN, you know, LAN events were getting stale or maybe just got into a, a routine and didn't really push the envelope. But now, like, I love watching um, pro-ams and celebrity, you know, celebrity tournaments, like all the stuff. No, oh, I'm finished. There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, it hurts to even watch the replay. <laughs> you gotta watch your vibe, yeah. <laughs> That's the good straight. That's, That's why I wanted to put this in the background, you know, because I can, <laughs> you know, move around and relive the glory days. So, right, right. so yeah, that, that's, I think, the best thing is that, that online tournaments are so much more creative. And it's really great to see that the leagues, especially Call of Duty, they've been able to adapt online. Um, they've done a lot better, I think, than Overwatch has in terms of production and everything. So uh, let's learn from all the new things that we can try now. And hopefully we can bring a lot of the stuff back to land when it comes yeah, and we're so I'm getting involved with Smash's Rad coming up uh, first week of uh, in, in May, or sorry, second weekend in May, um, and and that's going to be so that's May 9th, I believe. And then what's also really cool is uh, that's going to be a really big one of the biggest online tournaments uh, for Smash Melee on Netplay. Uh, but if, if I don't I don't have the link, guys, I wish I had the link in front of me to post it. But Le'Veon Bell came out and he's getting involved with an online net play turn or a, or a tournament for um, Smash Ultimate, not Smash Melee. But to have a name like Le'Veon Bell get involved, and again, the list just goes on and on and on as far as tr traditional sports athletes get involved with, with these programs and things like that. It's just really cool to see. So that news came out on Saturday. My brother was like, <laughs> he texted me as soon as he found it, like, you know, Le'Veon Bell's getting involved. Uh, for those that may not may not know, but um, also ring back for the New York Jets. Um and so it's just it's it's really uh, it's really cool to see all that, especially in because in the FGC to to have that exposure um, and see these tournaments do well. Yeah, and I think that on one hand, it's been great that we've seen that pro athletes have moved into the esports space. 
-hmm. but I'm also kind of disappointed that sort of other areas haven't. And I brought this up last week on, on a, on a show that I was on, like, I'd love to see politicians enter. Like, why can't the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, who's quarantined in his like cottage, you know, for 14 days, why couldn't the guy put on a freaking Fortnite stream and, you know, like show us what he's got. So I think politicians missed a golden opportunity uh, or Boris Johnson or, you know, all these guys who are <laughs> quarantined, let's get them on. Let's see what they're made out of. It would have been like such an amazing opportunity um, that I feel was kind of squandered, but um, that's one area that I want to work with more charities on is to bring politicians, bring people that are really outside of that scene and um, that probably game and let's see what they can do. What'd you think about the Travis Scott concert inside Fortnite? Just, I want to get your thoughts on that. I didn't go, I, I didn't go in, but just watching the clips afterwards, <laughs> so cool, so innovative. Um, visually it was unbelievable. Um, and that's Epic games. I mean, they're, you know, they get a lot of criticism for the pro scene, but that just shows that's not really their priority. Like, they just want to create a great gaming experience for the everyday player, and that concert was badass. And, they, you know, CEOs come out and said, we're building the next social platform. Like, you know, not necessarily, you know, the next huge esports per se, right? Uh, it's more of a social uh, environment and experience. So that's exactly what that was. Um, and it shattered uh, Marshmallow's concert from 2019. Uh, as far as uh, concurrence and things like that. So that's just going to continue. The reason I brought, brought that up is, again, we're just breaking the, the social barriers more and more. Um, people are having to, I mean, they're having to pay attention, right, over the past month, month, month and a half. And, you know, like you mentioned, getting politicians involved, people that you would never have thought potentially getting involved, getting involved, right? Because this is also a way, I think when more mainstream figures out, this is a layer of communication, like, like when you're, I don't know, like your barriers are brought down and it's part of a community. So, you, and then you're more apt to engage with said person or said organization um, with your inside yeah. that environment. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I think that for, you know, even working with a lot of charities and charity events that they're stuck in that same problem. Oh, this was a brutal massacre too. <laughs> they, you know, they're kind of stuck in, you know, like gala dinners and things like that and playing it safe. And now people are calling me saying we need a Fortnite tournament, you know, like let's get it going. So um, I, that's the biggest plus for everyone. Like obviously COVID is destroyed lives and killed that hundreds of thousands of people. And so we, it's hard to say that there's been like some good that's come out of this. But I think if we just look at it as an industry, um, this was really esports opportunity to shine. And um, I think if people thought esports was nerdy or were concerned that games are violent, they see it in a totally new light now. Yeah, uh, Alex, what's going on? Alex says huge merch opportunity as well inside those social environments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the action figures and Nerf guns. Merch, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. This is this is the time that people are home. They're online. They're shopping. It's a great time to to bring out some merch. We dropped a really cool spring line um, for our organized gaming. Uh, so we got some badass bomber, diffusal bomber jackets, t-shirts, yep. things like that. And I find myself, you know, I, I went on the Overwatch store and scooped up a bunch of jerseys and things like that because it's just, you get that good esports feeling during this time and you just want to keep supporting it and keep being a part of it. 
And uh, Ken jumped in on LinkedIn. What's going on, Ken? I agree. Trudeau put on the boxing gloves in a charity tournament a while back. He should do it in an esports charity event too. Exactly. Exactly. Although I don't think he was prime minister when he did the boxing, <laughs> um, but he's that type of guy. There's a big, uh, there's a big race in Ottawa. I think it's like a, to support the military or the armed forces. Like he runs in it, and um, you know, so the guy's out there doing cool things. So Justin Trudeau, if you're listening. Get into the game, play some. What would be, Chris, what do you think would be a good game for like the Canadian Prime Minister? That's a good question. What, yeah, there's like, there's there's like, like the, the game to him. What should we suggest? There's like the safe answer and there's like the more volatile answer, right? So, like, the safe answer for me was like Rocket League. The, yeah, or I would say NHL 20 is like the safe answer because it's that's Canada. That's 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 the safest. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like okay, he's gonna play NHL twenty. But what would be the, what would be the surprise pick? I mean, I love I love him play Smash. That's just me, of course. That's <laughs> like, a good pick. It's a I, good pick. Yeah, I think it's great it, playability, um, and it's it's a more a mainstream game. Like you know, maybe you haven't played Smash at a super high elite level, right? But when I when you say Smash Brothers, a, a lot of people know what that is, right? Yeah. So I, I think that would actually be a good title. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to play an FPS or a battle royale. So. Sure, sure. So yeah. we got to get him into something else. <laughs> so, so Justin Trudeau, uh, yeah, please play uh, Smash and Smash Melee as well. Yeah, can you, <laughs> you can, I think you could tag. Can you tag him, Prime Minister of Canada? He's he's on LinkedIn, um, and maybe someone from his office will will pick it up and. You can, yeah. Someone can tag him. Someone can tag him. Yeah, we'll work. We'll definitely work on that. We'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> get some momentum. Get some momentum with that for sure. Um, so I want to transition a little bit. I do want to talk about like the last couple of months for Amuka and what you guys have done. Um, I think there was a span of like three weeks there, uh, just a ton of things going on for you guys. So if you just want to do a high level of what, um, you guys have done since again, the last time we talked was in January. Um, yeah. so if you want to just talk a little about that. For sure. We had a beastly month of March. Um, I and we were only open for two weeks before we closed down. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't remember the order, but um, we announced the acquisition of a second location in Windsor called Easy Mode. Um, Windsor, for people who don't know, it's the border town with Detroit. Uh, so it's, it's definitely it's a big city in Ontario, and also obviously Detroit's a big market as well. Uh, so it's the only it's the only esports lounge or gaming center there. Uh, great group of guys, Dean, Matt, and Stephen. Um, so we announced that. So we're really excited to um, kind of be in another unique position that no one really has multiple locations. So now we've, uh, we've hit two cities and we're slowly moving out. And real quick, uh, real quick, sorry to interrupt, uh, but on in Windsor, tell me about the, the, the scene there, the esports scene and why it's, why it is, um, it, it seems to have really, so it's taken off. I've read quite a bit about it. And uh, I think there's uh, universities around there that has a really good scene. Can you talk about that? Yeah, did you? How did you know that? Did you do the research? Or I do a little reading. I do a little reading. <laughs> Very good. Yes, people don't know that it really started at the collegiate level. Um, you have St. Clair College, a small college there, even Lambden, which is not too far. Um, these colleges are really the pioneers for esports. Um, both sort of just, you know, there's not really a, a major collegiate scene like a varsity scene there, but just in terms of recreationally and club level. Um, and academically providing courses in, in gaming, game development, and esports. So the scenes really started at the at that college level, um, being very successful there. Um, and 
yeah, really grew from there. So whether it's Saints Gaming or affiliated with St. Clair College. Um, so that's where it really started. And, uh, you know, Windsor has really had some of the, even the biggest Smash events. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the event, but yeah, one of the biggest events outside Toronto uh, for Smash was in Windsor. Um, yeah, so great, great community there, very active. And um, I think with anything, with our strategy, we always want to be near universities. And, and Windsor's got, um, got a large university and several colleges. Well, I'm glad you went through that because that should be a lesson um, for university level decision makers and things like that and putting foundations in place because that's where you can really build that out and create that, that culture around that. And I think it's very important. We talk about building the foundation of esports and um, as far as building that, that layer, right? And I think that's part of it. And Windsor's a good example of that. So. Yeah, the only way you're gonna make it, you know, as a venue, if you wanna call it that, is, yeah, is on your weeklies. Like you need, the, you need that strong community. Like I was in Vegas and uh, I went to HyperX. I was like dying to see the location. Like I've heard so much about it. And I went in and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing for the two or three or four amazing tournaments a year. But like, I just don't see the local Las Vegas community like coming in every week to the Luxor hotel and gaming. Like, it's just, I just don't see that local scene. I think that's, I think the challenge they're gonna have. So um, whatever you do, you gotta make sure it's something that, that really appeals to the everyday local community. Um, versus you know the show of being able to host you know huge large events and there's a story that I, I just came to my mind but there was a i think there was an, a, a venue in vegas years ago called like coin slot or something like i hope that's the right name uh but uh, like i've talked to some contacts out there and there's they're actually you know they're building that out like the concept of um having that community level of it. Right. And because like you said, it's been missing. So there was that, I think a, a number of years ago, um, but it feels like it's going to be kind of a resurgence. Yeah. What, what I've heard. Vegas is actually a great place to see all the different models for a venue. Like it really has everything. Um, you have like the HyperX on one end, then you have places like, I think it's level up in the, um, it's an MGM, which is definitely more bar lounge, very casual, but still upscale. Then you have more like your game works, which are kind of like Dave and Buster's, uh, but with like an esports component. So you really sort of have a little bit of everything, like many different models. So I think it's really interesting to see sort of which ones cater to which gamers and really who's going to be more successful in the end. Gotcha. And then you guys went on to uh, acquire Easy Mode, which is basically the second venue in your portfolio. You can talk a little about that. Yeah. So that's the Windsor. Easy Mode is Windsor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, after that, I think we announced that uh, if you guys are basketball fans, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson from the Toronto Raptors, yeah. uh, he came on board as a global ambassador. Uh, so we're, we're really excited about that. You know, we're going to work with him on some cool uh, live activations and tournaments especially, you know, hopefully the league will um, start up again. And Rondé's had an awesome year. Raptors were hit with a lot of injuries. So he's got a lot of playing, a lot of playing time. And um, he's got a great scope. So, uh, you know, we really want to see his, you know, how we, his Fortnite skills. So we're excited to get him out and onto maybe some streams or at least some tournaments soon and, uh, and see how he performs. Yeah, Carrie just jumped into chat. Carrie's from Vegas. So I, I talked to her quite a bit, actually. So it's awesome. And then uh, actually, and then in Wavesy Gaming, this was at the end of February, 
so this was after we just we talked last time too as well yeah so waves this is that's like our flagship location um so fourteen thousand square feet state-of-the-art facility um you know it, it has all the bells and whistles it's both a place for local weeklies but also hosting uh capcom world tour and um Bandai namco for tekken so we, we have some big some big games some big tournaments in here as well uh that was like we had started working out of that location in december and then just kind of finally got all the paperwork done in february and it's a great team ahmed called kareem laura so we kept everyone uh on board and um they're a huge part of our company so in toronto right now what's what is um the feel for things starting to open back up you know you saw so you saw the state of florida um i don't have everything in front of me but the state of florida and georgia talking about reopening and things like that what, what's the landscape in toronto yeah yesterday the government um so just like in the states it's kind of up to all the provinces to decide it's not really a, a national game plan uh so ontario uh, laid out a game plan with no dates. So typical of Ontario. This is our big grand plan and how we're going to do it, but we're not going to attach any dates for anybody to do any planning. So, um, but you know, there are provinces that are opening up next week. Um, so we just based on that, we have a good idea where we fall. Uh, we're probably like tier two, maybe one, but definitely we'll be in tier two. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we'll make sure we'll separate the gaming stations. Everything's going to be sanitized. So we already started a lot of those procedures before COVID shut everyone down. Um, so we're definitely going to sort of rejig, you know, what gaming looks like in the beginning to make sure uh, we still provide a safe space and then, you know, sort of monitor the situation as it comes up. So in short, we're kind of looking at like a June opening, um, July at the latest. Maybe May if we get lucky, but gotcha. I'm hearing like mid. I'm hearing like mid, late May for like some states and things like that. Um, I mean, they're all working at different paces, obviously. Um, but so you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's an interesting topic to discuss because I don't know the right answer, I, and we we could be here for a while talking about that. But it, it's it's uh, you know, I like to know kind of what's going on in different areas, you know, timeline wise. And it makes sense that each state does it differently, like you know the you know the risk level in south dakota is just different from you know yes. new york so it can't be one uh, you know one solution for all one size fits all exactly hey david jumped into linkedin chat and said uh ronde was a pledge brother of his at arizona oh nice <laughs> that's good so that's cool so that's uh david jumped in there what's up man it says you're great to see ronde get involved he said he called out alex alex davidson bearing out that's the, so yeah, we guess. <laughs> Did you guys funny. ever? Did you guys ever game together? Oh, so yeah. So David, you let us know. Let us know if you guys ever game. Let us know if you have some good stories. Yeah, let us know, David. So let us know what his KD is. <laughs> yeah, we need we need the inside stories, David. That's funny. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll let me know. That's funny. For appreciate that, David. It's that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So. You know, I guess the other thing too is you know, we talked about online tournaments, but I want to talk about a little bit about virtual, just virtual events from, I guess, the, the business landscape. And like, what, what have you seen with like virtual events? I mean, look, I think there's different levels of virtual events. Like, you know, some people can get nine people together and do a Zoom call and call it a virtual event, right? But like, what, what has been kind of your take, what you've seen or what you've been a part of in virtual events? And how do you think that's going to change um, like the mindset around that after all this is over? 
Yeah, I've I've spoken on I think two panels. Um, two, I think both of them were Zoom panels, and you know, it's it's better than nothing. You know, like I think it's good to at least get out there. And we're watching me like with like, oh, and he's gone. Isn't it, Chris, you got to do this for all your guests, right? Isn't this? Yeah, it's exposing. Yeah, it's 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 exposing. And and the viewers should know, and I will admit it. During this, I have yet to register a kill yet. I think it's coming. I only got one kill, and it's coming at the end. Actually, this might be it. Uh, I got one gulag kill. I do remember watching. It took. It did take a little while, so we, we may not get to it. No, this, this is not it. I could tell by the gun. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get nailed here. Oh, that's so, funny. There it is the gulag. It's one of the best features I think of Warzone. There you go. Yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> Um, so the Zoom calls, um, I think it's a great way to learn. I think it's a great way to connect. So it's a good way to learn, but the challenge is like when I go to an event, it's never really about the speakers. Um, it's really about the people I meet, the networking. And just with that Zoom format, it's just not there. Uh, so I'm curious. I'm also going to jump in with Gamer uh, Gamer Jibes. Um, what's the title of that? Like virtual fair, virtual yeah. esports fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the career fair in May. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to see, you know, how that shakes out as a format. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that's the only really creative format I've seen during this whole, during the whole COVID time. Well, you know, and the mindset is, it's, what's the next layer? Okay, what? And and, I, and it's funny, like like the first couple of weeks with all the Zoom calls happening, like you said, it's it's a great, you know, it's a great way to communicate, right? But I think a lot of people were asking very quickly, like, okay, what's next? Like what, what level of engagement, how can we engage at a higher level with someone, right? Um, so in a virtual environment, you know, you have an avatar, you have a character and you're able to walk up to other characters, click that character and get connected to their LinkedIn profile within two clicks, like things like that, you know? So where you can, in that virtual environment, you can connect at a later time, uh, but connect across your socials and things like that. Um, but also have a 3D environment to have information all around you versus just looking at someone's, you know, living room in the background, right? So the other, the other side of this is, is that, because we did a network, we actually did a networking event last week on the platform um, and had about a hundred people there. And, you know, on the right-hand side, you can, you can have your video, your camera up. So you can have your camera up. So it looks like Zoom on the right-hand side. And then on, you know, 80% of the screen is a virtual environment with, with characters and avatars walking around. That's really the feel of it, right? So I think it's, you know, it's like anything else. It's like any kind of new tech. Um, it just takes time for people to feel it, get involved with it, um, get used to it, right? Um, asking a lot of questions and feedback and then designing that environment based on what people want, right? So, and that's, and and it's it's it's, fun. it's really fun. I mean, the, the tech is really interesting, um, but I, in my opinion, that is the next layer. The other side of it too is like, you know, what's, you know, browser-based, versus you know full-fledged vr with you know equipment falling off your face and stuff like that that's what i was going to say is like yeah. i think that's the next iteration of that platform is mm -hmm. it's cool to walk around on you know just from your pc or whatnot but to put on a headset and walk around that's that's a, that's the game changer exactly so it's definitely going to look like that and it already does look like that on in in, in some ways right but from it breaking into the full-fledged mainstream obviously we're way away from that so in this situation, like you mentioned with the gamer job, it's it's browser based. So it's two clicks and your character pops in. Like I mean, basically like World of Warcraft, 
and then you're in, you're in the environment, right? And then like watch parties, for example, like and then being able to embed Twitch streams and YouTube streams, and and together fifty people can watch the stream yeah, on a big is. virtual big virtual board versus being just in a Discord and trying to put in audio from this and video from that and layering. You just do it all in one environment. So the consolidation of technology is really what it is. So. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And like, even as you just described that, that gets me excited. Like, I'm really curious, you know, <clears throat> I want to see how that shakes out. Yeah, so it's going to be, this would be, be really interesting, be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, David, okay, so Will jumped into LinkedIn. With Zoom, you can host breakout rooms, provide for networking, either in one-on-ones or small groups. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you yeah. know, the tools are getting better. Um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I'm just like, just me personally, I, it's, it's hard to work a, it's hard to work a virtual room. Like, I, you know, I, I guess that's the only way to put it. Right. Oh, and, and it's, you know, the numbers, if you guys don't know the numbers, what, in December, 2019, Zoom had 10 million monthly active users. As of April, they had 300 million. So you're talking a 30 X run up. Right. And, there, and then some of these some of the data we're saying it's going to be a billion by Q4. Right. So it's it's which we don't know that. But it's just obviously the, the demand. It's not even on a chart. Right. The demand for virtual engagement. It, there, there is no chart to say what like the top is. Right. So but again, it's, it's about and what's what's interesting right now, too, is pushing for innovation. You know, being innovative right now is just and that's with anything. It doesn't matter if you're running. If you're a TO in esports, or you know, you're an emerging tech company. I mean, you're just con- continually pushing the edges so that we're going to be able to engage in a way that you can't right now. So, and and I think it's just accelerated that. We talk about this a lot on here, but it you know the pedal is to the floor when it comes to virtual engagement. And since it's like Pandora's box is the way we kind of put it, is that once Pandora's box is opened, it's not going to go back in. So a lot of people talk about, hey, what's going to happen? You know, when everything gets back to you know, normal, everybody's saying normal, right? Um, and it's not going to look the same, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, the stock has, it's probably one of the best performing COVID stocks. That and um, what's it called? What's Tele- Tele- Teledoc, TDOC, that's another one. Or the meal, Blue Apron, Is that that's the meal kit. Mm-hmm. And then Teledoc has done really well, obviously. Um, yeah. Virtual uh, meetings with doctors, essentially, right? Yeah. So, so to your point, the, you know, what, who are the losers, you know, in the new normal? And I think it's, it's office, it's office space. At the end of the day, um, whether it's, whether it's co-working space or just traditional leases, I think a lot of companies are going to say, A, are going to be forced to make cutbacks because, because everything that's going on. And they might just say, Hey, you know what, maybe, maybe our ROI, our bottom line is a lot stronger with a lot of people working from home. And if it works for companies during COVID, you know, why have the extra expense of carrying, you know, a huge expensive lease? And here's my other, and this is a great, it's kind of, it's not the same argument, but it's, if you time like, you know, there's e-sports e- and traditional sports, right? I don't necessarily think e-sports is trying to destroy traditional sports necessarily. And like, you have to pick one or the other. That's a, that's a very long conversation, I think too. Um, but also, but on the same token of talking about physical events and virtual events, I don't feel virtual events are necessarily trying, trying to destroy physical events. I think that it's a, it's a, it's a marriage between the two of them. That if you have, you know, like if you have a, a GDC, you have the physical event, but you also have the access to a virtual event alongside of it, essentially. Like right. think- more, more live events will have that digital component to them where may, maybe in the past they just have overlooked it. Yeah. 
Right, kind of like a we kind of say like it's kind of like a line item. It's like, oh, that's nice. It's a shiny toy. You know, we might throw something at it, but we really don't care. Now it's going to be okay. We have the physical event. Uh, let's say in a couple quarters from now, but then hey, we're going to have this virtual event alongside of it. All right, and then you're able to just create a new a new world, a new environment that goes along with it, not necessarily trying to replace it. So, and I also think just anyone who's planning a live event in Q3 or Q4, you have to be uh, you have to be um, with the very strong reality of what they call sort of a second wave or mm. uh, you know a, a repeat in certain regions that might force cancellation. So, as sort of a prudent insurance policy, absolutely any live event should have that backup plan in place that either goes hand in hand or can replace it if they need to. Yeah. I mean, any other virtual platform they're able to, to build on like a gamer job, like it's, it's insurance. Like as a business operator for me, for me it's like buying insurance really uh, without, without paying the premiums right there. Cause the premiums, they jack those up pretty good. Right. Um, but it's, but it's alongside of it. And it's, I don't know. I love having those conversations around it because it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then even with, as it, as it ties to, East online esports events, you can have, you know, the experience, and this is another conversation piece about, you know, how does the experience of watching a Twitch stream or a YouTube stream change over the next year or two? Because it's fascinating that the technology has not changed in really in 10 years. Like, like I mean, it has, yeah. but, but not like, but not groundbreaking experiential change, in my opinion, and maybe people disagree with me. So like, what is that? Like, what's going to have to break through that barrier to have that engagement level? Yeah, I think that Twitch definitely has to improve sort of like the UI. Um, you know, if, if a lot of non-gamers are going to come to the platform, it's got to be a little bit more intuitive. And just in general, I don't think it has a very good discovery feature. Uh, that's why I like Juke. It's a platform like that that curates the content a lot better. Uh, I find it a little bit harder to find what I want or explore new streamers um, with Twitch. So definitely to improve there. I think the real missed opportunity is really on the broadcast side. So if everyone's moving over, you know, okay, you know, sim racing, things like that. Okay, pretty much everyone could follow that. That's not very hard. Same with sports games. For the most part, it's the same. So there's there's no learning curve. But if you're interested in getting a new viewership or a new audience with League of Legends, like you have to totally change your broadcast to now open it up to new to new fans. Or even Overwatch or even Counter-Strike. You know, these game. if you don't know the game and you kind of take it for granted, it's very hard to follow. So... Uh, I always talk about how poker opened it up for non-poker players by showing you the cards and explaining everything and the percentages. So you you didn't really need to know the, the rules. You could kind of learn it just by watching. I still don't see, you know, when I turn on a Call of Duty or Overwatch broadcast, I just don't think they're doing a good enough job of explaining the game um, to, to non-gamers or to new viewers while at the same time, you know, keeping the integrity of, of, the, of the broadcast. You brought up an amazing point in poker. I think there are so many lessons that that the esports space can learn from the poker industry. Back in 2000, yeah, and the inflection point for those that know, and it kind of dates us a little bit, dates me a little bit, but you know, 2003, 2004 was a boom, an explosion for poker because Chris Moneymaker and a you know a CPA from I forgot where he was from Arkansas, you know, beats Phil Ivey and Sammy Farha, like pros for years, right? And they're like, oh, he can win two and a half million. I guess I can too. But it was because, but then also it, it had the experience on ESPN, right? And then th then that's where it took off, right? But it, it had percentages, like it had situations where you're on the flop and you have, you know you're, it's your heads up with you know there's two people 
and it's a 60-62-38 split between who's going to win because of the math behind it. And, like, people like me saw it, like, oh, and you keep seeing those situations over and over again, like, oh, this person has two over cards with a flush draw, they're 62% to win. Okay, now I remember that. And, like, then I took that skill set that I learned from the, the stream, or from ESPN stream, right, and then you apply it to the game that you play. So you, but it taught you how to play because it showed you the math. So if you're a math person back then, that's how you learned. There wasn't YouTube back then, things like that. So like, but it's, but it's, it's like you're saying it's on the education side of it. Um, and, and there's a lot of, um, you know, the, I think unanswered questions, what, what that looks like. Yeah. I think as you describe that, you're describing last year's Fortnite world cup. That's like, the Chris Moneymaker analogy is the same thing with Booga. Like you now have Fortnite, which is now at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I don't know if it was broadcast on ESPN or not. I, I don't know the broadcast situation with that, but say everyone's watching, the whole world's watching because it's at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York and 16 year old takes home $3 million, boom, changes everything. And I actually kind of think that summer, I think that event was, I don't know, maybe August or something. That was kind of like the peak of the industry. Like I think we've definitely, it was a little bit of a bubble and, the market's gone down since then, but that was like that that moment where like he won. Holy shit! Esports is huge. Sixteen year old kid wins three million dollars. He's on every single news network in the on the face of the earth, and everything changes. Right. It, it, it was it was the hysteria. Like any kind of markets, obviously, for those that follow any kind of markets, it's a hysteria top right blow off hysteria, and then the consolidation. Um, and then I just had another question on you talk about I'm talking about like teams a little bit. It's about consolidation. Uh, what are you seeing and hearing as far as as teams are concerned? I mean, my look, my my view on teams is that we're still going and we're continuing to go through a consolidation. A lot of teams are going to go under slash acquired. Um, the, the ones at the top are just going to continue to be conglomerates, um, and it's just going to add you know fuel to their fire um, because because especially if they're operating a real business that have real revenue um, and they're not they're not losing tens upon millions per quarter and they're never, they're, they're always negative EBITDA, right? So how do, do you agree with that, that there's a consolidation and it's it's basically potentially cheap assets on the market for some of these top teams to kind of acquire or what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, there's definitely going to be a lot more M&A. Um, there actually is already a lot of M&A and the mm -hmm. problem that we don't really think about it like that is that rosters get sold off all the time. 100 Thieves bought the Renegades roster. That was a big one. So people are buying and selling rosters all the time. And that's M&A. That's consolidation. Um, I think what's a little bit more clear now, and unfortunately it did take some time, is that a lot of orgs understand that certain games, the economics just don't work. And most teams are exiting Fortnite. Not all. 100 Thieves is still signing some. And Baze is still signing some. But, you know, for the most part, there's not a frenzy to sign, you know, Fortnite pros. Um, and really, you know, in terms of the non-franchise games, not all of them have, you know, the economics that work, even Rainbow Six, um, Luminosity, and who's the other one? Reciprocity, you know, exited the league. So, um, I think there's going to be M&A, but I don't necessarily think it's just team-wise. I think teams are going to say, yes, we got to have a team, but it's important that we have a content creation division. It's important that we have media. It's important that we hit more than one vertical. And that's the MA. I don't think like Evil Geniuses is looking to scoop up Space Station, like that type of MA. I don't really see the need for that or the point, but it's they'll pick up other companies that are going to support their core business. Gotcha. So standalone, potentially standalone, like content creation teams uh, coming on board for a team to. 
build out and diversify essentially because we talk about that quite a bit is diversifying your asset base it's like any other business and widening your moat so this look the smart orgs are doing that and have been doing that and i think they'll continue to do that um because then then if you look at from the you know the investing the, the investor standpoint you have a wide moat that's more attractive to investors right so obviously that's something that they want to do and that's positive for the organization so the, you know i think i think it's interesting and some teams are, are one trick ponies they're only in one major title so a good example is fun plus phoenix um you know they won league worlds last year so what did they do with it with all their money and publicity and sponsorship they went into flashpoint you know so um i think that's how and I think the economics are going to work in that league. You know, it's still only been one season. We'll see. Um, but that's, they built a premium name, a premium brand, a huge fan base. Like when you win league, the league worlds, especially in China, like you're like deity status. So no better way to move that fan base into other titles that have, you know, pretty good economics like Counter-Strike. How do you think, loaded question alert, but uh, how, how, do you, sorry. Uh, how do you think Valorant, shakes up the space uh the smartest thing riot did aside for all the drops and the publicity and how they rolled that out which was amazing is you know they are not going to move into the franchise model right away because everyone is gonna everyone's gonna have a problem with it one way or another uh if you give it to all the top team all the top franchises that already have a, a league franchise you're going to be accused of you know selling out or just giving it to the highest bidder and it's going to taint the pro scene and it's going to taint the game. So they said, let's just, let's just see what happens. Let's let everyone run tournaments. Let's kind of use the open counter-strike model. Um, and then obviously they'll, they'll do the league model eventually where, you know, they'll have different regions, China, Korea, North America, Europe, and build franchises. But this is the perfect way to sort of like democratize the scene, the competitive scene first let all the kinks get shaken out riot isn't going to be blamed for anything like anything that ba bad happens it's totally going to fall on the tos and then they'll announce they'll announce the league and their structure i just think is so much better than the activision blizzard structure where where you have all these regions and there's so many more people that have the opportunity to own a franchise and then how was that a loaded answer too <laughs> <laughs> yeah back back and forth right um so the other the other thing, look, and that's, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying, is this is this a is this Valorant going to eat into CS:GO? That a lot of people are saying that. Um, some people said, I mean, obviously Overwatch is the other thing there. I won't even get into Overwatch to be honest with you. Um, uh, so, like, what, um, what what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, CS:GO um, killer, and you know, that's I, I know that's like the catchy headline these days. It is. It, it's discussed all the time. Um, which is okay. I, I like to weigh in. Everyone likes to discuss the franchise model too. And I think there's nothing wrong with weighing in on it, especially as we let it unfold and have more understanding and think about it more. Um, so, sorry, what were we talking? We're talking about Valorant. Yeah. Uh, as a, I lost my train of thought. I was just watching this massacre. So that's why I got. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little, it's a little distracting. Yeah, Valorant yeah. and how it eats into CS:GO. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, now I remember what I was gonna say. So. Uh, yeah, I don't think Valorant killed Overwatch. Overwatch killed Overwatch. Um, like the fact that players are dropping say, out. I didn't say talent, it. I didn't say it. I'm sorry. Talents dropped. No, I don't think. Like, look, <laughs> To just put out today their index, right? Like Overwatch is now tier three. So, like, 
I'm not saying anything that data is not already telling you. Um, and so it's just, it's fallen off. And even in my place, like not a huge community. And I think they'll still have after this one, I think it'll still go two more seasons um, before it's not really relevant enough. And I'm, I'm curious what they'll do with a franchise that doesn't work. So let's say it fizzles out. What are they going to do? And I, I think they are going to owe like reparations uh, to all these team owners. And and I think they have to make right by them by, you know, maybe reducing some of the fees that are owed, right? Because they're not paid all up front. They pay front. Is that my, oh, no, that's not me. Um, they, they don't pay all up front. So maybe they'll like um, slash some of the fees that were owed or work with the owners. Because I think at the end of the day, I don't think, I think the French, I think over Activision just charged too much for the franchises and owners jumped in. And if Overwatch doesn't work out, they should have some sort Activision should share in that, um, in that loss as well. It shouldn't all fall on team owners. So in the end, to make a long, a very simple question, very complicated and convoluted like this. Uh, yes, the player base for sure is going to come from Overwatch for sure is going to come from Counter-Strike and for sure is going to come from league, you know? So I would maybe throw out a third from each is going to fill it. Um, and even, you know, I think we'll see some from Fortnite and, you know, other games where they just can't make money as a pro. One other thing just, uh, for, for Riot, a, a la Tencent, by the way, everyone. Okay. <laughs> when you say Riot, obviously it's Tencent and Tencent is, you know, the, the I call the Tencent, the mothership of gaming, the gaming industry. It's like, and like their hands are in so many things. It's incredible. Right. Um, but for, for Riot, they're, look, they're, they're, they're they are diversifying their assets. We just talked about that from the organization standpoint on teams, right? They're doing the same thing. With pro, you know, Project L is getting zero hype right now, right? Because they had the hype video in like October, right? And then now it's you know they're in development, um, but they're they're getting an FGC as well. Riot is ex- very smart. A la Tencent is very smart, right? They know what they're doing. So that was just one thing I wanted to add. Yeah, and also I'll pl- I'll plug some of my research uh, at the beginning of the year. I I said, and again. You know, it's not revolutionary to say that Tencent is going to be the top esports stock, but yeah, like from the get-go, I said if you're going to play the esports on the public side, play Tencent. They just they have their hands in everything. They own Riot. They have a big stake in Epic, big, smaller stake in in Activision. Um, so they're really just everywhere, um, and that's just their gaming division. Not to mention all their social media platforms, their music, their film. So like. They got it all. So why why roll the dice with other game publishers that that are just stuck in particular verticals when you have a behemoth like Tencent that just takes the whole thing? It's a conglomerate ETF event, like you just mentioned. Everything in the hundred fifty million they stuck into Discord in twenty eighteen. You know, a lot don't know. A lot don't even know that either. You know, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, and like I, I don't keep up with uh, all the Chinese platforms all the time. Duya and and yeah. Do you, yeah. Uh, Bleebly. Blee, Blee, Blee. Billy, Billy, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, look, they're they're putting, they're hedging their bet, and so as an investor, that's the best way to hedge your bet. Yeah, they they increase their like board positions, I believe, and, and I don't have it in front of me. I know in Huya, uh, so you know they're they're, uh, and then they and the the price that the stock price has struggled, but they're you know they're kind of coming in and saying, all right, <laughs> all right, here we go, right, yeah, here, we're going to make some decisions. So, yeah. right. well, well, hey, we're up against uh, about about an hour here, so. Uh, then I appreciate you jumping on and going through everything with us. Um, uh, a couple things from chat real quick, and then we'll we'll finish things up here. So Ken jumped in. So it's a great point all around there 
with poker and explaining the game. I think we hear a lot of play-by-play, but not as much color commentary. Obviously, we agree. Ken, thanks for jumping in. I appreciate it. Um, and then Tyler, I mentioned for the point earlier, the online events. Tyler mentioned I'd be able to attend so many more events if an online offering is available as well. Tyler, brother, they're coming. That's all I can tell you. They're coming. Uh, it's all, <laughs> you know, if you're an event organizer, reach out. Love to talk to them. Uh, get that involved and create that virtual environment space because that's, that, that's the future. It's the next step. Well, it's not the future. It's right now because you're either doing online events or you're doing zero. There's, you know, now th- there's some uh, businesses starting and things like that and opening back up, um, but it's not going to go from zero to a hundred, you know, in the physical space that we talked about. So I'm uh, definitely really passionate about that. Like you said, given access to where otherwise it'd be zero, Tyler. So I totally agree with you, but, um, but Ben, thanks for being here. Ben, CEO of Amuka Esports. Really appreciate uh, you diving in. I really like your, like going through the insight. Um, and <laughs> I've been, I've been watching, you know, watching the, the VOD here. The, the whole time too. So did, you, did it get the kill yet, or is this later? Did you get your kill later? No, it's. I think, I think it's this game. You just like hanging there for twenty more minutes and watch it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, the kill's coming up in the gulag. Uh, if anyone wants to see it, I'm five k ff on Twitter. I put it up. Um, tremendous excitement when you play for two hours without a kill and finally get one. So you can see my reaction. Um, also, you know, just, we were talking about public private investments, uh, we just launched on front funder, uh, which is a crowdfunding site. So, uh, we're looking, uh, to democratize the investment process in esports. So for a minimum of $250, you can be a shareholder in our company. Um, and we're basically, you know, really positioning ourselves heavy in venues, leagues, tournaments, and building up gaming communities. Uh, so on front funder, you know, you could see it. Uh, the word funder doesn't have a e in it so that's where it is um and that's where you can learn about our company and otherwise yeah follow us on social media check out our tournaments uh jump into our our either our muka or waves discord um i'll share some links and uh yeah we'd love to just keep in touch yeah if you're watching the replay uh linkedin live replay or on youtube um facebook wherever we'll have the links in the descriptions of the comments to all this stuff to get connected to muka so, Ben, man, I appreciate jumping on and taking the time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's great to catch up with you. It's been a long time, and um, I love watching your show. This is the first. So, actually, I'd like to get y'all's feedback. I know we have a few drop off there, but I'd love to get y'all's feedback on watching a VOD and overlaying a VOD and, like, doing an interview. I think, I think actually, this might be the new format, to be honest with you. Uh, to, if someone has a VOD, they come on the show, and then we can critique. <laughs> and then, you know, throughout critique and, uh, you know, sharing their pain. Yeah, I, I that happened to me. Someone invited me on their show. Uh, this is a while back, and they show they just put on the uh, they're an Overwatch group, and they put on the Overwatch Grand Final last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's such a great, such a great idea. Um, and then I copied them. So, oh, so. I, I, no, never mind me. I, I did have one question. This will be the last thing, guys. Uh, but I did have one question. What is your thoughts on? <sighs> on these viewers doing these 48 hour stream or these, these uh, streams doing like these 24 hour streams and it's not them. It's not even them. It's VODs, but they're running it so much, right. That the, I guess Valorant or whatever, and then they're getting the views and they're, they're superseding and saturating the, the platforms like on Twitch. And it's, it's taken away from streamers that are actually live themselves. What do you, what did you think about that? Or do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, totally against it. And also just, Twitch has no policing. Like, how is it that there's all, I forget the, the name for it, when you see like these uh, clickbaity ninja streaming on Twitch. Like, 
how hard is it for Twitch to know that there's no possible way that Ninja is streaming on Twitch? Like, how are people getting 10 or 20,000 views on these VODs of people that are not a shroud or whoever? It's insane how they can't find these guys quickly and ban them. Like, it's so, so crazy. Like, you can just have a whole factory of monkeys working just on typewriters, like, yep. to figure that out. Like, so they just need to get their act together and ban these people immediately for doing this. One of these streamers went from like 8,000 subs to 50,000 subs in a few weeks, I believe, but doing VODs and just doing like the, the tag saying like 24 hour stream, right? That's, you know, that's, that's hot. Right. And then they, and then they have multiple streams going or whatever. And Is then, it their own content or they're using other people's content? Um, I think a little of both. Um, yeah. but, I mean, it, else's, that's st it's stealing, like they, stealing money from these people. He went, they went from like seven K to 50 K I believe subscribers. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to get, you mentioned that I want to get that, uh, totally against it. They, they, they have to rid the platform of that. It's like, it's scammy. It's gross. Like it's just so obvious that Nick, that this is not Ninja streaming. Like it's, mm -hmm. so yeah, they got to get their shit together. Guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. A couple more shout outs. Aaron, thanks for jumping in. Mr. Aaron Meckler, Ken, what's going on? Thank, thanks. Appreciate it, man. Jumping in. Will, hope y'all have a great day. Tyler, thanks for the questions, man. Appreciate it. Ben, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. And let's do this. Uh, let's not wait three months. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's watch another VOD with you uh, much sooner. Well, we're going to play next. So hopefully oh, we're going to have you play. You're going to practice some yep. Warzone. Yep. Yep. And our yes, next two weeks. Games, yep. We're going to get you on and then we'll have a lot of fun watching the VODs. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. Don't be too hard critiquing everyone. <laughs> when we go back. I, I got one kill in two hours. Chris, trust <laughs> me. You're going to be okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. All right. Have a good one. See ya. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C R I S. R-E-E-D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode.